No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude our study of the Day of Atonement, perhaps the most important day of the year in Israel and rich in meaning. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Leviticus chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. When I was a kid, I would go to the dentist and there was only two things that I liked about going to the dentist. One was that he had a a little treasure chest full of toys. And if I could endure the teeth drilling, I'd get to choose a toy at the end of the ordeal. The other thing was that as I was waiting to go in for my appointment, there was a magazine called Highlights for Children. And I remember always going to one section of that magazine. It was the hidden pictures section. And there, there would be the hidden pictures that would be in a bigger picture that you'd try to find the hidden pictures. I'm, I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. And I would spend time trying to find these little pictures within the big picture. And that is really what I love about the study of the Old Testament. I know some people think, what, you're teaching the book of Leviticus? Are you crazy? But really, the wonderful thing about Leviticus or really any Old Testament book is that you find the hidden pictures of Jesus within the big picture. And that is certainly true of what we are talking about today. It's the second of a two-part series on the Day of Atonement. And there's no other thing in the law of God, no other festival or feast or holiday in the Old Testament covenant that better pictures Jesus Christ than the Day of Atonement. Because on this day, everything that the high priest did pictured what Jesus would do when he took upon himself the sins of the world and died for us on Calvary. Now, we saw yesterday that Aaron, the high priest, offered a bull for his own sins and a goat for the sins of the people. It was the one day of the year when he could go into the most holy place where God dwelt among the people. He sprinkled the blood of the bull and the goat upon the mercy seat, which was the solid gold lid of the Ark of the Covenant. He also took some of the blood and anointed the four horns of the altar of incense and sprinkled blood on it. And of course, that was in the holy place before the veil. In this way, Aaron made atonement for himself, the people, and the sanctuary. We pick it up today in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 20. And when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar... He shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. We all know what a scapegoat is, right? 
It's the person that everybody else blames for the problems. Well, that's our connotation today in our culture. But the original meaning was escape goat. That is the goat that escaped death and escaped into the desert. Aaron laid both his hands on the head of this goat, and then he confessed over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins. I wonder how long this took. He put all the sins of the nation on the head of this scapegoat who then bore all the iniquities and was released into a desolate land where it would never be seen again. Now, hundreds of years later, when they built the temple in Jerusalem, they developed a communication system to announce the scapegoat's release. The one releasing the goat would chase it off. And when it went over the hill, he signaled to the priest standing on a hill behind him. And he, in turn, would signal to the next priest on the next hill, and so on. This continued until the priest standing on the Mount of Olives signaled to the high priest who stood at the entrance to the temple. Then he announced to the people, Your sins are gone! And the people rejoiced. Now, keep in mind that the scapegoat was really only one half of the sin offering. Aaron had sacrificed the other goat and shed its blood to make atonement. The dual sin offering pictured the twofold work of Jesus Christ. Christ died for us that he might forgive us of our sins, but he also has separated our sins from us, never to be remembered again. David described the blessing of our sins being removed from us in Psalm 103. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I remember a pastor explaining this to me one day. He said, if you go north, eventually you will start going south. But if you head east, you will never start heading west. Now, the Lord spoke also through Jeremiah concerning the new covenant, and he said, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. For God, forgiveness is forgetfulness, for he chooses to remember our sins no more. Can you think of anything more wonderful, anything that is a greater cause for rejoicing than knowing that your sins are forgiven completely by God, never to be brought up again. Thus, the two goats of the sin offering give a complete picture of what Jesus did when he bore all our iniquities, transgressions, and sins on the day of his atonement for us at Calvary. In Christ, our sins are gone. What a cause for rejoicing. Verse 23, Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out, and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. After the sin offering, Aaron took off the linen garments of the ordinary priest, washed, and then put back on his high priestly garments 
of glory and beauty. This picture Jesus ascending into heaven and receiving back the glory that he had with the Father before he became flesh and dwelt with man. But whereas Aaron left his linen garments behind, Jesus left nothing behind, for there was no body left in the tomb after he ascended into heaven. After Aaron made atonement for sin, he offered the burnt offering of consecration for himself and the people. This pictures the complete consecration of Christ in doing the will of the Father to redeem and sanctify us. Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. The Lord's example ought to cause us not only to trust him for our salvation, but also to follow him in offering ourselves to God. Verse 25, the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. Anyone who touched the sin offering had to wash himself and his clothes before he could return to the camp. This was true of the person who released the scapegoat in the wilderness and the person who burned the bull and goat outside the camp. Anyone who touched the sin offering had to be cleansed. This emphasizes the extreme sinfulness of sin. Consider the incomprehensible distance Christ traveled from being God to becoming sin for us. Verse 29, this shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month, on the 10th day of the month. You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. The day of atonement was to be an everlasting statute for the children of Israel. In the seventh month, on the 10th day of the month, they were to afflict their souls and take a solemn Sabbath day of rest. Even foreigners dwelling in Israel would be compelled to respect this holy day and do no work. This was the only day of fasting and mourning that God prescribed for his people. They would reflect upon their sins and what it cost for them to be forgiven, the lifeblood of a substitute. Now, this presents a problem for the Jew today who celebrates the Day of Atonement known as Yom Kippur. 
It is still one of their Sabbath days. However, since the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, rather than approaching God with the sacrifice of the animals through the high priest, they have made Yom Kippur a day of reflection and reckoning. You reflect upon the past year and weigh your good deeds and your bad deeds. So the week before, you're busy trying to put things right with people and do lots of good deeds. And you hope that your good deeds for the year outweigh your bad deeds. Therefore, they are now seeking to approach God through their own good works. However, the law made it clear that there could be no atonement and no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Of course, in Christ, the problem is solved because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We aren't approaching God on the basis of our own good works, but on the basis of his blood shed for us. Because God accepts Christ as our substitute, our sins are gone, never to be remembered again. If we have received Christ's provision for our sins on the cross, then let's just stop what we're doing and thank God for removing our sins from us as far as the east is from the west and remembering them no more. And if you're still trying to be accepted before God on the basis of your own good works, then may God open your eyes to see that your debt has already been paid in full. You must simply believe in the Lamb of God and receive God's forgiveness by His grace. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377. That's 208-314-3377. Next week, we'll look at God's prohibition against eating blood and why the blood is so sacred. This separates Judaism and Christianity from every other religion. We hope you'll join us as we continue our study of Leviticus on Simply the Bible.